Farting is allowed. <laughs> Farting Gurgling. is not allowed. <laughs> we haven't crossed that line yet. <laughs> not saying it won't happen. <laughs> we have John, Shotter, and Ramaz here. Ramaz comes from a family that was always farming grapes and making wine in Emirati. It was largely for the family's use. I don't know, how long ago did you start from us making your own wine? When I was uh, 25. How long ago is that? You're looking very young, Ramaz, so we can't tell. We can't tell how long ago that was. I'm always worked with my family in the vineyard and cellar through my childhood, but it's coming one time when son and father began fighting to how to do something. So he just gave me the one small vineyard. You can do what you want, and it was, yeah, 20. 25 years old I was. Uh, More than I was doing it. was about 16, 16 years ago. <laughs> You're 41? Yeah. 44. 44. Okay, so almost 20 years producing wine. Why did you decide that you wanted to continue with that? No, I love wine, so I made the wine and I drink it and she always friend. For me, what's interesting about wine is you're connected with the land, which I think is really important and something today is not common. I think we're very out of touch. And, it's a ca- and like you said, this sure. feeling of sharing, and I think that's what makes wine a very interesting topic. My vineyards, uh, which I use now, uh, planted uh, my, my father's grandfather. So if he decide to take everything, poison the soil, what I must to do. It's a respect with, with the terror, with the land, with the escapes. So what you mean is, your you you had a grand your father's grandfather was working respectfully from the soil rather than using loads of chemicals to maybe yeah. get loads of grapes just for him and then screw everything up for the generations yeah, to like follow. And Shota, you're quite young as a winemaker, yeah. making very amazing wines, and you're in eastern Georgia, but you're yeah. not in the same region as John, who we're going to meet after. But um, can you tell us a bit about you? Yeah, it's. Uh close by from John's place. Um, I have not such a rich experience with wine making like Rama's, but uh, my father was always making wine at home. So it was like 100, 200 liters per year. Mm -hmm. And it was just for families, very usual in Georgia. And uh, actually that's my experience and knowledge which I have about wine. I never had uh, some professional study the wine what i know it comes from practice 100 percent and uh, from the friends which i have and they they give, give giving me uh, lots of advices and the experience oh. That's a, a little Georgian language. Grandma uh, said when we let you work for us as a cook at our wine bar, that's when he really got infected with winemaking. Uh-huh. Yeah. And actually the decision uh, why I made, it's happened in uh, 2014 when I decided to do that. Uh, was of course inspiration and uh, uh, this inspiration was coming that I always wanted to have a good wine. Because... Um, yeah, my father were, were making, but uh, I always going to some different places in Georgia and homemade wine, which is uh, very famous in Georgia and every family makes. Uh, it's not perfect, so sometimes it's very bad and in my young time... Sometimes it's very great. 
Yeah, sometimes it's great too. It depends the person who makes the wine. I never had uh, my own wine like Ramaz. Ramaz, uh, his father gave the vineyard, but I never had my own. And that's why, I mean, my friend, we bought a small vineyard in 2014. Cool. And we're starting the organic things inside. And in 2015, we had the first harvest. And we had the 900 bottles and the 500 we drink uh, ourselves uh, with our friends. <laughs> It's a perfect Testing, business model. Right? Yeah. yeah, very good business model. Something, sure something. to be successful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, we we are exi- uh, excited because uh, we never had a chance to the work uh, with queries because it was more kept in West Georgia than Eastern part. Eastern mm-hmm. part, the oak barrels, old oak barrels, which we are coming from the factories, people were using to make wine inside. Uh, like we have several at home. No experience with query, no experience with uh, winemaking independently. So and query, just so everybody knows, as we're tuning in, is the jaw is well, yeah, it's the clay Georgian vessel, word yeah. for a clay vessel, which we exactly. also known as Eris Amphora Dinahas. Exactly, yeah. just so we have that reference. But yeah, the difference exactly. is the Georgian query is buried in the ground, so you're harvesting that thermal temperature in the earth, and that's uh, the exception to the rest of the clay pot traditions that are not yeah. actually. Implanted in the soil. Not yeah. Shutter, before we move on to John, what, what's the name of your region? Did you say that? Because it's a Kacheti, the region we, we are Kacheti. It's in the western part of Kacheti, okay. and I'm in the eastern part. So it's in one different. valley, yeah, okay. but just he's on one side of the valley, and I'm at the opposite side of the valley, so I'm on the east. Yeah. He's saying that you should have sheep on your, your label. Yeah, actually, uh, because uh, my my roots come come comes from the the mountains, uh, so my ancestors came okay. uh, from the mountains about two hundred years ago, but they never uh, uh, like uh, stop this connection. But uh, my ancestors were shepherds, almost all of them. But then we uh, in the lowland we lost these roots because yeah. we mixed with the uh, lowland local people. And uh, I went uh, in the university, so my father was not shepherd anymore. Okay. <laughs> and that's why, but uh, this is one of the perfect places in Kacheti, uh, is a, with the soil and with the climate, because we are very close to the mountains and uh, we have very late harvest. Okay. It looked quite uh, green when I saw pictures of your vineyard. It looked different. It did look different to... That's why I was. That's why I thought it was a different region. Yeah, it's more humidity. Yeah, Yeah, we are like two weeks late always uh, from the Jones place, even the flowering or harvest and everything. Sometimes more. It depends uh, the year, and uh, because we have a late harvest, our grapes and the stems uh, are always ripe mostly. That's why we can use a long skin contact, and uh, we never get very unpleasant and strong tannins in in the wine, and mostly alcohol is always high. But uh, I had a year... 15.78, so, yes. <laughs> But it's uh, very That's fresh. Details. <laughs> it's very fresh nonetheless, which is interesting. You know, you can have a, a wine with not too much alcohol that smells quite hot and alcoholic, and you can have a yeah. wine with higher alcohol that's actually really refreshing. Yeah, I think it comes from the stems, and actually I always have argue about stems. I love stems, <laughs> okay. and I think it's uh, exactly like part of uh, the grapes, and uh, has a like right to be in the wine. Because you know? it gives this perception of freshness. 
Yeah, exactly. The ripe uh, stems, I think, gives a very good freshness to the wine, which in my case covers a strong alcohol <coughs> in the wine, for example. So it works in a balance. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a choice it's that you make. It makes some balance, I think. Right. Yeah, he's from the West Georgia, but he's against that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's a, it's a choice, it's a tool in your repertoire to decide based on... Yeah, if we, uh, well, the, in Georgia we uh, call the skin contact, leave wine with mother. So okay. it's a very old say, and this comes uh, from the generations. And, uh, yeah, uh, the wine mother, like a bread mother, like a... Yeah, mother, exactly. And, uh, or anything else. If you call the berry skins the mother, uh, definitely the stems are included in the mother too, so... When we separate, uh, I think there's going to be a fight. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I see some steam coming off of Ramaz's head. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? All of these things are choices that you make based yeah. on where you are and how you want it to taste. And if you're from a region that doesn't need that extra freshness because your alcohol is not that high, maybe some mother has stems on the outside. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. so some mothers have stems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But that's or, the thing; it's a choice. Yeah, or what children. Sentence? Some mothers have stems. And some it's gonna be a hashtag later. <laughs> <laughs> Viral hashtag. Yeah, but uh, the kids sometimes growing um, without mother and they they turn out just perfect, fine. Yeah, yeah, perfect person. So it happens everything. It's you're saying that uh, Ramaz's wine is orphans. <laughs> yeah, parents. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> we don't need it like a Georgian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that idea, I think uh, uh, when I um, started making wine, I was very, very emotional with wine. So, and uh, in Georgia, it's very easy because we have lots of stories from the uh, from the past, which telling you that uh, uh, like uh, the berries and the wine comes from the sun because we say that. Uh, when it's ready, the grapes, sun, sun eye goes. I, eye of the sun enters the berry. Enters the berry. But in, in pagan times, I mean, Georgia's also had a strong Christian history, like many wine countries, but uh, from the 4th century AD, it was Christian. Um, but before that, there was very strong pagan traditions in Georgia, and there was a belief that the vine was always trying to ascend as close to the sun god as possible. And the roots were always trying to penetrate as deep into the earth goddess as possible. And the child of the earth goddess and the sun god was wine. Yeah. And it's still in practice what Shota said, you know, at the time of the changing of color of the grapes. They say the eye of the sun has entered the berries, therefore we can harvest. But that's yeah. great because that's like not that's how you pass knowledge down through generations in these traditions. Another sayings, term, you know? Love it. Another term for wine was liquid sunlight. See, that's a connectivity that we were saying earlier that like, I think a lot of people miss out on these days, that connection to all the things around, that when you have a long history or a rich history, you're still connected to it because those traditions are still being passed on, which I think a lot of like newer wine regions sometimes forget about. Mm. And John, tell us a little bit about you, because I've known you for maybe seven or eight years now. Yes, and um, and you're very much sort of an ambassador for Georgian culture, and you are, I think of you as Georgian, even though your background, you weren't born in Georgia. Right. Um, but I've learned a lot about Georgia through you, mm-hmm. and the different times of meeting you, trying the wines, exchanging um, ideas, um, history, and tasting, and 
events and different things, but what led you to Georgia? Actually, initially, the initial attraction to Georgia was not connected directly to wine, it was uh, Georgian polyphonic songs. However, later I learned that the polyphonic songs are usually sung when Georgians are drinking. Um, <laughs> so there, there is a connection. Yeah. Sounds like it was a tough learning period for you, learning about the music, drinking lots of wine. <laughs> I found a, a CD um, at a second-hand record shop that I was probably looking for Minor Thread or Dead Kennedys right. or some sort of skate rock. And, and on the front shelf that day of the music shop that I went into, they had a CD called Georgian Folk Music Today. And when I played it, I was mesmerized. It was, it was, the harmonies just totally attracted me. And I was curious and wanted to go to Georgia, but in 1991, Georgia was pretty much soaked in blood. There were three wars going on. There was a civil war and two successionist wars in Abkhazia and South Ossetia. It was quite difficult, next to impossible, for a foreigner to come. And I ended up, for different reasons, studying painting, uh, doing a master's degree in visual arts in Moscow. And when I was there, I was able to learn a little bit of Georgian language and hear lots of recordings of Georgian music. And I went there in 1995 for the first time. Um, the host, the man who had invited me, he owned a brewery, so even though in 1995 Georgia economy was pretty, pretty much non-existent, but uh, it was just starting to recover after the succession from the Soviet Union and from mm -hmm. the wars. But this particular man owned a brewery, and so he had still money even in the dark days, and invited me to a restaurant. And we went straight from the airport to the restaurant. And being a vegetarian in Moscow in the mid-90s, <laughs> uh, leaves a lot to desire. <laughs> And then all of a sudden I ended Thank up... Thank God you had wine to get that calorie intake. <laughs> no, but in Russia, it left a lot to be desired. But at this meal, we went from the airport to the table and it was covered in wild mushrooms and beautiful tomatoes and plates of fresh herbs and many different kinds of cheese and, and beans and fermented vegetables. And then the tomato was pouring this golden color wine. And every five minutes or so, there was a toast. And I thought I... He had died and gone to artist heaven. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And after about 12, 13 toasts, they summoned the musicians to come in. And the musicians that came in were the same musicians that were on the CD that Amazing. I bought when I was 16 years old. Synchronicity. Exact same ones. And I love it. a lot of strange things happened with Georgia where it just seemed like a really real, vibrant, beautiful place. A place that's not plastic, a place that you could you know, laugh all of your laughs and cry all of your tears. And for the first 10 years I was living there, we were collecting uh, traditional songs, and I was painting. In 2006, we had the idea to start Pheasant's Tears Winery. In 2007, we had our first vintage. Amazing. And then, it, then the world of food and wine became a much bigger part of my life. Cool, I like that you didn't come at it from a sort of restaurant place that you came at it more yeah. from an artist folklore sort of yeah it was a, a quest for authenticity right which is but we were trying to do with music and bringing back uh, the roots of the culture and the way voices were projected the right. older tuning system and we thought about doing something similar with the wine trying to bring back some older varieties or less known varieties that were almost lost in soviet times and being able to share George's wine story with the right. outside world, which is arguably probably the best wine story on earth. 
Yeah. I mean, what do you think now about, how do you feel about the, because I feel like Georgian wine is especially looked at now favorably, of course, with the rise of natural wine being popular in terms of pop culture. How do Georgian winemakers feel about that? Is that a, you know, it's, is it good because you're selling more, but is it also a little bit keeping it a bit at arm's length so that you remain true to Yes, I think as a lot of new people who bear the consumption right. and, and uh, interest, uh, this, but it's uh, growing interest on the Georgian wines, but uh, I think the um, Georgian natural wine can't go the, the there's a, a ceiling to the amount that you can produce in the way that you're producing, yeah. essentially. Demand's getting faster than the supply, and I think also what Ramaz is saying is that, you know, when we started, if our wines weren't absolutely great, then no one would even pay any attention to us. Right. People didn't even know where Georgia was on the right. map. So we had to, the only thing that we had to convince people was the juice we could put in the glass. Right. And now the Georgian wine is... Um, a certain category, at least in the sure. natural wine world, and there's people that appreciate it and like it and look forward to tasting it. Um, people that you know just started bottling their wine six months ago all of a sudden think that they're like the top of the pyramid, and not always is their experience and ability to understand how to right. farm and how to make wine on the level, but. In the beginning, those kinds of wines would never surface. Right. But now yeah. that there's kind of a certain appetite and interest, then there's a chance that there'll be uh, less experienced and maybe less knowledgeable uh, winemakers showing up on the market. But Shota has the least amount of experience amongst the three of us, and usually we'd like to drink his wine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> demand though also because I feel like you could end up in a situation where you have this sort of colonial people coming in and taking Georgians like to make toast when we drink (laughs) we've talked for a long time we're ready yeah let's have a toast John we're in your hands we've got to keep a little bit of this to taste it John is the tamada 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 which is the name of toastmaster toastmaster don't lower my savage no I don't want to never dare to do that Cheers, then. Right. Well, toast, man. I'm going to give a toast. Yeah. yeah. Sure, let's uh, drink for love. It's the, it's, the, it's the foundation for me of everything worthwhile. It matters much less what we do, it matters the spirit in which we do it. And you can you know, write an orchestra, a symphony, for instance, and with a certain amount of aggression and anger in your heart, and it could be considered genius, and you could injure quite a lot of souls. And you could make an omelette with love and change a person's life that day. Only thing that matters is the spirit in which we do it. And so may love be at the foundation of our thoughts, ideas, the way we speak, and the way we act. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and be like, here, here. <laughs> I like it. The intention thing is very interesting. Also, that they've, you know, they've proven. I think scientists think that you can change the structure of matter through intention. Mm. So Twitter it doesn't matter how you. Materi structura Tweetan, materia, shades of a shades well, it's how we structure. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
He said, I don't think the structure is going to change the structure. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that you, I love that you understood that. I've like lived in the last, for the last 10 years in countries where I don't speak the language, so you learn a lot about intonation and body language. <laughs> means that I'm now the human lie detector test in English, but for languages. I'll have to find the YouTube thing, I'll put, post a link. Okay, so we've almost polished off this bottle. <laughs> Cheers, I mean, I've got barely anything less yeah. in my glass, but. <laughs>